0: as they grow up in the Christian homes that these families are striving to present. You know, as little kids, especially, you know, parents, as your child is young, you have all this hope and this potential and these dreams and these plans for our children. It's our desire to to help them uh, to equip our children so they can face the challenges and overcome the difficulties and seize the opportunities that are presented to them as they go throughout their life. Over the past several weeks, we've been doing a series on parenthood, and we've uh, we've been focusing on our role as parents as how we are to train our children, how we are to correct and discipline our children, all while encouraging them and making uh, ourselves, uh, making our children our top priority so that we can influence them and model what it means to be in that life-changing relationship with Christ. You know, as a parent, you have a different perspective than your child does. To put it very simply, you're old, or older, maybe that's a better way to put it. You're older and hopefully wiser than your child, and so you have this wisdom to pass on to your children. But the reality of the situation is, at times you're going to feel very ill-prepared for the upcoming challenges. But you either have or you will find the strength in order to get through those opportunities. Oftentimes, uh, through trial and error, we discover and experience what it means to figure out how it works and how it doesn't work and and how we can uh, positively impact our children. And not only our children, but ourselves. Because as parents, we learn a lot of those lessons with our children, don't we? It's a learning process for all of us. And in light of our parent-child dedication that we had this morning and our series on parenthood that we recently completed, Uh, I've really continued to be thinking about what it means for us to be children of God. What does it mean for God to be our Father, and what does it mean for us to follow Him? You see, like the parents that we saw up here this morning, and like you as a parent, you have hopes and dreams for your children. I believe God has hopes and dreams and plans for us as well. You see, God having plans and hopes and dreams for the people He loves is nothing new. It's the story of the Scriptures. God is working in the lives of people to demonstrate his love and his grace and his compassion, not only toward individuals, but toward groups of people as well. In the book of Joshua, we find this fascinating account of how Joshua reminds the people of who God is, how amazing he is, and he offers them a challenge according to who God is, and he also gives them an opportunity to respond to him. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Joshua chapter 24, Joshua is the sixth book of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And if you don't have a Bible and there's one of those blue Bibles in the seat back in front of you or somewhere on the row, you'll find that on page 167. And as you turn there, I want to set the scene for you as to what's going on in the text. Um, Joshua is leading the nation of Israel. He is taken over uh, after Moses died. And so Joshua, uh, Joshua's history is that he was born as a slave. In Egypt, as the nation of Israel was captive there in Egypt, they'd been captives for 400 years, and that's where Joshua was born into captivity. And so he spent the first part of his life in captivity. Joshua saw the things that God did through Moses, and he saw how Moses led the people out of captivity. Joshua ate the manna and he ate the quail in in the wilderness. He drank the water which flowed from the rock. Joshua. Was one of the twelve spies that was sent in to explore the nation of Cana to find out if they should go in and take it or not, and he was one of only two spies who said, "Yes, we should do this." They said this. He said, "We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it." That's what he believed, and the other prophet or the other spy believed, and the rest of them didn't, and so they didn't go in. But but Joshua was ready, and when the time was right, Joshua led the people over the Jordan River on dry land during flood stage. He fought the battle of Jericho. He often renewed the covenant between God and his people. He was encouraging them to serve God and to serve God alone. He spent his life serving and following the Lord God. And the last part of his life, he spent leading the nation of Israel. And as he's nearing the end of his life, he decides to gather everyone around him so that he can basically tell them goodbye. And When we get to Joshua chapter 24, we see what happened shortly before Joshua's death. Look at verse 1 of Joshua 24. It says, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people. Now we're going to stop right there in our text. I'm not going to take the time to read through everything that he told the nation of Israel. But but basically, I just want to kind of sum up. Uh, for the next several verses, Joshua reminds them of their history. He talks about Abraham being called out of the land of his fathers and how he was called to forsake those gods that they worship there and to serve the one true God, to serve Yahweh. He talked about Isaac and Jacob and Esau and Moses and Aaron, he reminded the people of how God led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea on dry land, how he told them of the many ways that God had provided for them and how God had granted them victory over their enemies time and time and time again. And in verse 14, he says these words, Joshua says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Joshua tells the people that their response to God's faithfulness should be to fear the Lord God, to get rid of all the false idols, and to serve the Lord, to serve the Lord only. And as we read this text, one thing that we have to remember is we have a distinct advantage over the people that are being written about in this text, because we can look at the whole story, right? We can look and read and see what happens, you know, flip forward a few pages, and we can know the history. We, we know what happens. We, we can see that time and time again, this idea was a reoccurring struggle for the nation and the people of Israel. Time and time again, they would turn away from God, and they would begin serving other gods. What we find time and time again is that often, when things were going great, right, life couldn't be better, Things were just rolling along. And what did they do? They forgot about God. They began relying upon themselves and what they could do on their own. They began kind of saying, hey, we've got this whole thing figured out. And they would turn away from God. And they would forget how good they really had it because of who God was. And then something would happen. And and their, their lives would begin to unravel. And they would cry out to God. They would repent. They would turn from their wicked ways. They would begin once again worshiping the Lord and God would come through and deliver them. You know, as a pastor, I see this happen often. In a lot of ways, many of us, we are just like the Israelites. Things are going well, and what do we do? We become pretty self-sufficient, don't we? We become pretty good. I'm just pretty good at what I do. Look at me. And we, we start to rely upon ourselves. We allow other things to take priority over a relationship with God. We worry, uh, we worry about ourselves. We're, that's what we're concerned about And when we neglect the needs of those around us. I said this a few weeks ago, and I think it's very true. Most of the time, when someone finds their way into church for the first time or for the first time in a long time, it's usually not because life is going amazing and everything's perfect. Often it's because something has gone wrong or something's troubling them and they are looking for answers and they need help and they need guidance and they need love and they need direction. They need to know that they're not alone. They need to know that there's other people out there that are struggling as well and they're serving God and they're doing the best they can to follow Him. One of the amazing things that I get to do is I get to visit with people and and talk to them about what it means to discover and experience that relationship with Christ and how that can truly change their life in amazing ways if they they will allow him to. Now, having said that, I know that there are some out there that would say, once you turn your life over to God, your problems will melt away. That it's going to be easy street, and you can have green lights and walks in the park from here on out. And yes, I have seen that happen to people, and I just stand back and I'm amazed at that. But what I see more often than not is how God shows up in the middle of the mess, And how God gives the person the the understanding of his presence and how he's been there all along. And how God gives them strength, how God gives them peace, and how they begin to trust the Lord with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind and all their strength. And they begin to not lean on their own understanding, but instead to lean upon God so that God can help them through the situation and face the consequences of their decisions and their actions. And that's how they begin to learn what life is truly like. Because they experience His grace and His peace and His hope in the midst of the mess. Not just to be removed from the mess. And the irony is that even as God demonstrates His faithfulness, we continue to struggle. We look around, we read His Word, we see what He tells us, and we still struggle. And it's almost as if Joshua knew that's what was going to happen to the people, to the nation of Israel. He knew that they were going to forget and that they would get it wrong. Look at verse 15. Look at what he says to the people. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Joshua says, look, I get it. I understand. You may not want this you may want to go a different direction. This may not be uh, your choice. You live where you live, you have what you have, you experience certain freedoms because of who God is and what he's done for you, but you may not want that. You may want to choose something else. In the New Testament, we see Jesus tell a story in Luke chapter 15. We often call it the story of the prodigal son. I think it should be renamed the story of the forgiving father, but that's neither here nor there. You probably know this story, right? You know, Jesus tells it uh, of this man who had two sons, and the younger son comes to the father and says, I want my inheritance. And the, the father reluctantly, I think, gives it to his son, and his son goes off, and his son in a very short period of time spends all of his inheritance on wild living, and he's broke, and he finds himself serving pigs, feeding pigs, and, and he is so hungry that he's longing to eat the food that the pigs are eating. Anybody else grow up on a farm and see what you feed Pigs. Not a pretty sight. That's what he is longing for. And he comes to his senses and he decides, you know what? I need to go home. I need to go home. And so he he heads home. And as he's nearing home, his father runs out to meet him. And that's the very truncated version of the story. Read it in Luke chapter 15. It is so rich and so full of meaning. And what we see is Israel, the nation of Israel, left home, time and time and time again. And every time they would turn around and come home, God would run to meet them time and time again. We see it all the way from Joshua all the way through to the time of Jesus. Just like the father welcomed the son home, he throws a party for the son because he is overjoyed because the son that was lost has been found. When people turn toward God, God throws a party. He rejoices over them. He he welcomes them home because the relationship has been restored. The story of Joshua, the story that Jesus tells, those stories, really, they're just stories about us. It's the same story about you and me. We have hope and grace and life and his presence, and oftentimes we still chase after all those other things in life. We chase after money or relationships or possessions or comfort. We chase after churches that look like us and meet our needs. We chase after the things that will benefit us the most. And we do those things and we do more than those things. And we do it over and over and over again only to realize that those things, they don't satisfy They don't bring peace. They don't bring joy. They don't bring hope. They don't bring a full life. And then we, like the nation of Israel and like the prodigal son, we finally wise up and we return to God and he receives us. Through his grace, we walk with him and he walks with us as we strive to serve him more and more. It really comes down to a choice that we have the opportunity to make. Joseph Uh, proposed the choice, excuse me, Joshua proposed the choice to the people. And after doing so, he said, here's your choice, here's what you get to do, but I want you to know, here's what I'm doing. He said these words, he said, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you say that last part with me? We will serve the Lord. One more time, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, you choose you make a choice but as for me and my household we're going to do what we've continue we're going to continue to do what we've always done even since we were slaves back in Egypt we are going to continue to serve the lord and Joshua says look i understand this may be difficult for you it's been difficult for me i've been leading you right and if you know anything about the nation of Israel that was not easy and Joshua knew it was not going to be easy he knew that life wasn't going to be easy but he also knew that he was not going to stop now serving the Lord who'd been faithful to him, the Lord who'd protected him, the Lord who had brought him to this place. He said, I'm going to continue to trust. I'm going to continue to serve him. And then we see the people respond. And I find this exchange between Joshua and the people very interesting. After he has issued the challenge to serve the Lord, the people say, we're going to serve the Lord. We know it was God who brought us out uh, up out of Egypt. We know it was God who performed all these miracles in our sight. We know it's the Lord who has protected us and brought us here. And in the last part of verse 18, the people say this. They say, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And and I don't know, if you're looking at the text in your Bible I don't know if your Bible does. My Bible doesn't have any extra spaces after that phrase is is written. But I have to think there was a pause right there. I think that Joshua, at this point, just kind of looked at the people and he just kind of wondered about them. He paused. And I'll come back to that pause in just a minute. Look at Joshua's response to the people. He said this in verse 19. You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and will make an end of you after he has been good to you. I kind of like that because we have to wrestle with that text, don't we? They say, oh yeah, we're going to serve God. And what does Joshua say? He goes, no, I don't think you can. I don't think you can handle this because this is important. This is a big deal. Joshua issued the challenge. The people said yes. I think Joshua paused right there and kind of just gave him that look. You know that look I'm talking about? When someone asks you a question and you're not really sure, or they answer the question, if you've ever had this with your children, you ask them a question, they answer it, and you're like, I'm not so sure that's right. Are you really telling me the truth? Do you understand what you're saying to me? See, Joshua is old at this point. He's well over 100 years old, and I think that through his experience with the people, he knows them. He knows how they think. He knows what they think. He knows how they're going to react. He knows how they're going to respond to difficult situations. He knows what to expect from them, and obviously it's Joshua's desire that the whole nation, that all the people serve and follow God, he simply wants them to know what is at stake so they do not respond too quickly without knowing what to expect, because There are expectations as a child of God, and I wonder if we, as God's children, if we know what's at stake, do we respond to the Lord's uh, invitation maybe too quickly? This past Wednesday, we began the season of Lent, and one of the reasons I, I love the season of Lent is because it gives us the opportunity to think about things that maybe we wouldn't normally think about, to slow down and to reflect on what God has done and what God continues to do for us in our life, And in the world in which we live. For many people, it's a time to become more diligent in their prayers, to fast or to give up certain luxuries, to place a special emphasis on giving or serving other people. Some people uh, enter into this season of Lent and they kind of make these, oh yeah, I'm going to do this or I'm going to take on this or I'm going to give up this, and they really don't give it much thought. But it can be a very significant thing. It can be an important thing if we will allow it to be. And Joshua was pointing out to the people, the commitment you're making today, it's a big deal. In a way, it's a little bit like the exchange that took place between me and my father many years ago. Uh, Like most kids um, in the United States, I received a bicycle for my birthday when I was young. And it was not just a bike, it was the bike, all right? It was red, red with the black banana seat and the chrome handlebars and the black grips, you know what I'm talking about? And of course it had training wheels because that's what you get whenever you're a little kid with a big bike, right? You've got your training wheels. And I remember uh, after a period of time when I went to my father and I said, hey dad, will you please take the training wheels off my bike? And he just kind of looked at me. Much like I think Joshua looked at the people and he said to me, are you sure? And I remember thinking, yeah, I, I'm sure, Dad. I want you to take the training wheels off. And he, he looked at me, and he said something along the lines of, I'm just not sure that you're ready. And then I remember this phrase, what he told me. He said, because if I take the training wheels off, I'm not going to put them back on." No, Dad, I'm sure. I think. Right? And I remember hesitating just a little bit like, what? But no, I made the decision. I'd made the commitment. And I said, yes, Dad, take them off. And so he takes them off and he hangs them on a nail in the barn just out of my reach. And so I got on my bike and I began to ride. And I still fell. I still had scrapes and bruises and cuts and gravel that they're peeling out of your skin. But, but I'd made the commitment. I'd made the decision. And in a way, Joshua warns the people about the training wheels. He says he is a holy God. He reminds them. He, he emphasizes the commitment that they're making and how significant that commitment is. It's important. It's not something where you can just change your mind later. It's it It's like the bike. The training wheels are coming off and they're not going back on. Are you sure you're ready for this? And the Israelites said yes. They responded, we will serve the Lord our God and obey God him. And so Joshua made a covenant between God and the people, a covenant that said that they would enter into this covenant with God to serve as a reminder of the commitment that they had made. And if you're a follower of Jesus, when you came in here today, you entered into that covenant. And every day of your life, as you wake and as you go about your day, you have the opportunity to renew that covenant relationship with God in what you say and what you do, because that is what it means to be a child of God. It's what the story of Joshua and the nation of Israel teaches us. It teaches us that we make mistakes and we sin and we worship false gods. We crash our bikes and it hurts. And there may come times when we want nothing more than just to put the training wheels back on because that's easier. And God says, no, the training wheels are off. But I'm with you. I'm walking with you. And when we fall, He picks us up, He brushes us off, He cleans us up, He makes us new, He gives us His grace, and He puts us back on the bike so we can try again. And one of the things I love about being, the, being a believer is the opportunity to ride with other believers, to gain wisdom from those who've been riding their bike a lot longer than I have, to ride with people that are in the same life station I am so that we can kind of share in those struggles together to gain energy from those new people that jump on board and they start riding and they're just all full of energy. You know, you're like, you got to remember what that's like. We encourage one another. And that's why what happened here this morning with these parents is such a big deal. This morning, we watched and we listened as these four families made a covenant between themselves and God. And like Joshua said, they said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. They committed to depending upon God for strength and wisdom, to partner with God as they teach their child what it means to follow and trust Jesus, to rededicate their own lives to the Lord so that they may live it as an example of what it means to be in a relationship with the Lord. And as a church, we entered into that covenant as well. It's important stuff because we promise to love these children and to provide opportunities for them to grow while encouraging the parents to remain true to their covenant promises as well. Because if you've been down that parenting road very far, you know it's not easy. And these new parents, they're going to need your encouragement at some point. And as a church, that's what we have committed to doing. And here's the most amazing thing about a covenant relationship that we enter into with God. God says, I'm going to uphold my end of this deal. I'm going to uphold my end of the bargain, even if you do not. And that's one of the amazing things about God that I do not completely and totally understand, but we are so used to in our world living in this contractual relationship where we say, I will if you will, and if you don't, I'm not going to either. But God says, even if you don't, I will. I will remain faithful to you. And I think that is so amazing in our life. He remains faithful and true, extending grace and love and compassion to us even when we fail Him and even when we don't deserve it. I hope you know more than anything that God is for you. He is not against you. He wants a relationship with you. And He doesn't want you just to simply follow a bunch of religious ceremony or rules or rituals. He wants to enter into a relationship with you where you desire to know Him more and more and more each and every day of your life. And it's our prayer as a church that each and every one of us would enter into that relationship with God. And as we do that, we would also serve others to tell them more about who God is so that we may live our life as an example of someone who has discovered and experienced that life-changing love of Christ in our life. And as we serve and extend grace and love to other people, we renew that commitment each and every day of our life, and we renew our our covenant to being children of God. Joshua issued the challenge, and we get to offer you the challenge as well. We issue a challenge to you and an opportunity to respond. The band's going to come forward, and they're going to lead us in a response time. It's a time for us to to contemplate what God is doing and, and has done and will continue to do in our life and how we are to respond to him. And maybe this morning it's time for you to respond to his invitation because Jesus says, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says that we can come to him, and he will forgive us of our sins and wash us and make us clean again. And that we can call upon him because he is there with us. He's here with us. And he wants that relationship. And maybe you need to enter into that relationship for the first time. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to him. Maybe you need to be obedient in baptism. Maybe you just want someone to pray with you or to talk to you about what's going on in your life. We would love to have the opportunity to share with you. So if you want to talk to someone, we invite you. You can make your way over to the cross here in just a minute. You can can find one of us and talk to us afterwards.